What's happening, people? This is the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. I am Mike Maroney, alongside McLean Boyd and Jay Woodson. We're happy to have you. Hopefully, you've enjoyed the podcast and are listening and sharing and liking and downloading and telling everyone you know. So, we got a a big weekend. This is always my one of my favorite weekends of the year because it's just a fantastic time of year. So, hopefully, everyone had a good Labor Day weekend. But we got important golf going on. College football started. NFL's here this coming weekend. Baseball's starting to wrap up and get big. You got NBA, NHL not too far away. It's just a uh, just a fantastic time of year. Fall's my favorite anyways, and this is kind of the unofficial start of fall. So I always get jazzed up once, once the calendar kind of turns to September. Plus, it's my anniversary and birthday month, so that's a big time for me. There you go. I agree. Fall's, fall's great for golf, too. I mean, being uh, in the kind of middle Atlantic, region of the u.s it's just the golf course is in the best shape that they can be from like september to november you can you can catch a 75 80 degree day in november um and real easy and and the you know, obviously the, the colors leaves changing all the good stuff so yeah this is a this is a good time of year for for golf and sports in general yeah and i forgot to mention once we're into september we're officially two months away from daylight savings time you Which love that. Is <laughs> golf pros. I pop a bottle of champagne holiday <clears throat> in the golf professional world. We love it. One of the only few professions that love when the <coughs> clocks go back and it gets so dark so early. We're up counting down the days, boy. You it's know, just like kids have like a countdown for I need an advent calendar. You know, like kids have for Christmas. I need an advent calendar. Every day is like a shot of something. And once I get there, it's you know, it'd be fantastic. I, I like market, that. I want to market that. You didn't mark that, market that, make that. Hopefully no one's listening. No one's really listening anyways, but. Um, oh, there's so many listeners. You just wait. <laughs> just wait. Well, speaking of that, what is, what is everyone drinking? I really want to ask this question tonight because I know what McLean's drinking. McLean, what do you got, pal? <laughs> it's a uh, Kirkland seltzer. Oh, a seltzer. <laughs> oh, you pussy. God, what are you drinking? Drink something real, dude. I'm hungover. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just saying the stuff that you guys have said to me over the uh, <laughs> last few months every time I drink a seltzer. <laughs> yeah, I'm, take, I'm taking it easy tonight. I got uh, a lot of work I got to do this week, and I was heading out uh, heading out to Alabama, actually, huh? here in a day. Woof. Just taking it easy, pal. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing I with I that. did drink a lot this weekend. We had a very, uh, I guess, very active social calendar this yeah. weekend. And yeah, I drank a ton. So I did take last night off. I'll say that. But back on it today. I got a little uh, Joseph Magnus. Oh, look at you. Nice. Yeah. It was a gift, but it's yeah, fantastic. I, I actually just cracked it downstairs. So like I would never buy that, but it's definitely good. It was good. Very good. Yeah. Which which one did you get? Do you have any idea which they've got a couple different? I don't. I think it's just the, uh, you know, the uh, their standard old. Yeah. I mean, all of them are good. They're all, all very good. good. Um, yeah. I could look it up, but I wasn't prepared um, for the follow up. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, I'm I'm going with a a nice staple here, the Eagle Rare. It's hard to mm. beat. Hard to beat. Hard to beat. Um, I'm trying to. I'm trying not to drink all of my nice stuff. You know, if I've got some nice stuff, I have a I have. I, it, it's so good that I'm like I got you know I I like to for having a nice event like this i like to, to drink it but i need to get back on my i've got a couple staples that i know i can always get at the abc store and just you know if i'm gonna have a sipper i sip on that and not and not 
not drink all the nice stuff because I can't get that stuff. Anymore. Did you just call this a nice event? This is a nice event. <clears throat> every every I week we to, do this, this is a nice event. You need to get out more, Jay. Yeah, I, mean, <laughs> I do. I, I remodeled a bathroom this weekend uh, for our Labor Day weekend, which was incredible. I was really excited about it. It's exhilarating. Um, yeah, you know, it all started because we had some friends. I think I probably told you guys this. If I said this on the pod already, then tell me to stop. We had some buddies, uh, our buddy of mine and, and my wife's is a couple. They're from uh, Long Island. And they came down about two months ago and we hadn't seen them in probably a year. Normally we go up once either they go up once a year or we go up once a year, they come down and uh, we had a good night and it was the last, <laughs> last night they were here. And uh, he, I guess he got up in the middle of the night after, you know, drinking and having a good time. And he fell into the wall and punched not punched, but went through the toilet paper holder and went straight through the wall. So it was like a, you know, <laughs> a four by six inch hole right next to the shower. And, um, <laughs> he was, he's such a, he's such a good guy. He's got his long Island accent, which I'm terrible at. So I'm not even going to attempt. Yeah, don't to do, do it. it. No. Um, but he called me that morning. He's like, we got a problem. He's like, I just, I fell into your wall. He's like, it's messed <laughs> up. I was like, I'm, I'll fix it. I'm going to fix it though. I'm like, don't worry about it. I was like, you know, we want to remodel this thing eventually. And now you just push us over the, over the edge. So. Move the timeline up a little bit. Yeah. We just moved it up and all right, let's do this. So that's so. usually how it happens. So, but now <laughs> it's, it's almost done. I just have to get, uh, I just have to get one more piece of uh, PVC for this, the new, the vanity that we put in doesn't match up with the, the old one. So after that, we'll be in good shape. Looks nice. good though. Well, I just I- like how you classify that situation as that's usually how it happens. You know, Random yeah. guy from Long Island punches a hole right next to your toilet paper holder. St- pretty standard stuff, really. And you remodel, and you remodel, and your bath- you remodel you the remodel whole thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I could have easily just patched it and then painted it and then been done with it. But I was like, all right, you know, you know this one hole is gonna. Yeah. yeah. The guy one at home cost, I don't even want to say how much, but we did save quite a bit because we did almost all of it in in house. I had one guy do the tile for the shower because. I just, it would have taken me too long to do it. And, and the guy that had to do it is a friend and he's really good. So, so that for all of our, you, you got to know your limitations for all of our listeners. That's, that's how nice of a guy Jay is. Somebody puts a hole in his wall and his response is, no, nah, don't worry about it. Dude, I was going to take it all down to the studs and do it myself anyway. So <laughs> I would have been like, dude, you fucking fix that and pay for it. Like, <laughs> I just, I just think of Jay standing in Home Depot and the guy walks up to him and he goes, you look like a guy from Long Island just punched a hole in your wall and you're ready to remodel. I've seen it a thousand times. Come on, yeah. guy. And they're like, I, I, like I see it on your face. I could see it on your face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know that look. <laughs> you got into some of Jay's special event bourbon. Yeah, we did. We did. We had some nice, we had some nice stuff that weekend and we did it upright. But lo and behold, we have a new, we have a new, uh, newly renovated bathroom. Um, which makes it worse is it wasn't our bathroom. It's my son's bathroom, but it is the central bathroom. So everyone uses it. So I guess it's a good one to remodel. Can we go back to uh, McLean's Kirkland brand seltzer? He, he did skip over that really quickly. The Kirkland Kirkland brand seltzer. That's, I mean, you can make fun of me for seltzers and that's fine. Hey, but Kirkland here. brand, do, do those guys over there at Costco just think they can fucking make whatever they want, and put Kirkland on it. Like, <laughs> You're you're obviously not a Costco person. This is very clear or else you wouldn't be threatening the Kirkland. No, name. I don't need an eight. I don't need an eight gallon jug of ketchup. I'm good. Look, pal, 
these seltzers are not only fantastic, but they also save you money and you get them in bulk. So I'm not finish near as often. And I mean, if I'm being honest with you, it's a it's a fucking white call. The, the same package, yeah, it's all the everything. Same. It's, all the, it's same. the same thing. It's it's but regardless. It, it's just like it's just like you know a TaylorMade or Titleist making the Kirkland ball and then just putting the Kirkland logo on it. Or whoever yeah. makes it, I don't know. was well, it TaylorMade or Titleist that made? Well, the they were Kirkland just taking ball? they were just taking like mishaps and uh, overruns from all these other companies and putting Kirkland on it, and then everyone loved them when they sold out and they tried to make their own shit, and they were like, "Oh no, that's not very good. That's not very good." Oh, so that's that's how it started. It was like that's my, that Taylor, was my interpretation made, of it. They were buying all the excess stuff and crappy yeah. stuff from all these companies. So that's not entirely true. I like my story. <laughs> hey, it's a good one. It's an absolute good one. But all it is, my friend, is a story. All uh, right. Tell us the truth. Enlighten us. So some of these manufacturers over there, they're making balls for multiple companies. And at the end of the day, if I'm not mistaken, they were able to get the same factory that's building one of the top tour balls. I don't, I'm not going to go into exactly which manufacturer. But long story short, it's they Taylor were made or Titleist. They were, making a, they were making a tour ball and they said, all right, change it just slightly. And I mean, all that has to change for the most part Simple can pattern. be the color of the inside of the golf ball or something, something okay. very, very minute that really doesn't affect performance. They buy a shit ton of them. And ultimately, you know, I, I'm sure there's a way they're able to broker the deal with the company for some other products that they're making that they can, you know, buy into at a large quantity. But long story short, they were just buying a different skew from one of the top golf ball manufacturers um, with a very slight change into it. Hmm. And because they're, and because they're selling it direct, they're able to sell it for a lot cheaper because they're not paying anyone else to sell it. They're not paying a sales force. They're not paying a company to market it. They're literally purchasing it and just putting it on a shelf. They're, they're cutting out, you know, part of the middle, the middleman. There was something about like their second run though, that happened because they like sold out and their second run came back, not the same or different or so i think what there you there was like there was all these like testing done and like they're like well this ball was not the same as the one before that's exactly right yeah the first one they they came out with and it ended up being an absolute hit a cult classic we all know the story of it then all of a sudden they struggled to um, keep up with demand they were at them for a while brought a different ball in it wasn't as good so then i think they actually invested and now they have two different skews um of golf balls okay all right well short story long i don't need a hundred rolls of toilet paper at one time <laughs> look pal <laughs> i was able i mean the thing i love is just the variety of what you walk out of there with i mean i think i got my son a book a costume i got me prime rib a case of wine a bottle of kettle one um what else do you get <laughs> i mean it's just it's all over the place you get house stuff you get just it's a it's a wonderful facility big big fan i can't you cannot go in there without walking out with something i mean it's it's like it's impossible i think i haven't been haven't been in a costco in probably eight years well i can tell with that attitude pal (laughs) (laughs) um all right so the listeners don't want to hear us bullshit about costco neither do i so let's talk let's talk some g we had a big weekend of golf. I guess we're going to start right at the top. Patrick Cantlay wins the FedEx Cup, wins the Tour Championship and the FedEx Cup. Caps off a great run here in the last six months of the season. 
gets it done. Kind of a two-man battle. or pretty much just a two-man battle with him and, and John Rahm all weekend. Kevin Da finishes third. JT fourth. Um, Xander and Hovland tied fifth. So, I don't know. My, my whole takeaway, and I'll be honest, I didn't watch a ton of it. I wasn't that into it for some reason. Maybe it's because of the stupid scoring scoring format. I watched way more of the Solheim Cup, which we'll talk about, than I did the Tour Championship. I don't like the scoring, but I did watch Sunday afternoon. It it did end up being kind of a normal feeling of Sunday because there was at least a – the tournament was close. There was a race. The guys were going back and forth. But I I don't agree with the scoring necessarily, but Sunday afternoon was great. And I will say – I tuned in mainly to watch Cantlay do potentially what he did again at the BMW. Mm-hmm. Um, the way he made those putts was just so entertaining that I wanted to tune in to see how he played. Yeah, um, I mean, the guy's a stone-cold killer. He's, right? Patty he, Ice. Patty Ice, they call Patty him. Patty Ice. Is there any question that he's the best player on the planet right this second? Uh, I mean, yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. He's up there. Oh. I love the guy. I, I And I just sent you guys, I'm not sure if you had a chance to listen to it right before we came on. I sent you guys a Instagram post that PJ Tour put out of a bunch of clips of his interviews over the years. Going back to actually, I think the first clip they posted was he was an amateur playing the Travelers, which he then shot 60 in that event, by the way. And I, I love the guy's mentality. Like, obviously, now that he's had all the success recently, you're you're seeing a lot more interviews and more press conferences with him and hearing him talk about things. I like the way he, he goes about it. I think he's very thoughtful. I think he's very introspective. He knows who he is and because they've asked him about his, his facial expressions and how he shows none, no emotion whatsoever. He looks like he's half asleep, you know, and he just talks about him being fully entranced in what he's doing and just can't get out of it. And he was like marveling at how tiger can be fully entranced over a golf shot, hit a golf shot. And then, three seconds later, just go berserk on the green because he made the putt. He's like, I just, I can't get out of it, so I don't show any emotion. You know, and he goes, I kind of have this this resting face that looks like I'm pissed off all the time, and he's like, I've had people talk to me like, hey, dude, what's, not, not that bad, what's going on, you know? Yeah. And he's like, no, I'm in a great mood, you know, what's what are you guys talking about? You know, so I like him as a person, uh, obviously like him as a golfer. I think he's just um, starting to get way more confidence, and I mean, that Second shot he hit on 18 yesterday to basically seal the deal there on the par five. Um, just a laser pretty much right at the flagstick to what, what, 20, 25 feet maybe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously a great, great end of the season. He wins $15 million. He started his career. The start of this season, his career earnings were like $14 million. His career earnings? His career earnings at the start of the year were $14 million. This year alone, he made t- over $22 million. Gosh, what a year. And a good a good listener, Mike Ferguson, sent the, the stats to you and I, Jay. Yeah. Via text. I think they worked it out to be like $4,400 a shot. A shot? Yeah. A shot. That's, gosh, that's insane. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, you know, everything you're saying, I think, with the format, you know, it is goofy. Again, we talked about it last week. I don't know what the solution is. I'll be honest. I, I, I think there's a better, a better way, but I don't know what it is. Um, and that's something that we'll just have to keep playing with. Um, but I do think there's a better way to, to fix it. But at the, at the end of the day, <clears throat> who are the best two players on the PGA 
PGA Tour this year. Yeah, you're right. Can't can't lay in Rom. So it did. Can't lay in Rom. So those type of guys. And then look at Rory. What kind of player was he this year? Super inconsistent. Flashes of brilliance. And then what did he do on Sunday? What did he, what did he shoot on Sunday? Like sixty-seven. Sixty-seven. So and then and then he had a couple other uh, rounds during that time. Where yeah, he had seventy-four on Saturday. Seventy-four on Saturday. So I mean, that was exactly how his year was. You know, like the potentials are like, oh, Rory's going to make a run. Oh, no, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. I mean, it was exactly we got the whole year condensed to the to these four rounds, and it was you know uh, superseded by these silly you know you know strokes that they give these guys to start the tournament. But in the end of the day, we saw exactly what we saw all year. And I think it came down to the two best players and the hottest player won. Yeah. No, he you're his, you're dead right that he won his fourth, he won his fourth tournament of the year, right? And only player to win four tournaments. I don't know if anyone won three. No, nobody won three. A, a no. handful of guys won two. Yeah. So I mean I, I get that everyone for the for the majority of the year, and I know you wanted to wait to talk on that, but I mean, no, I, I think you know. Go right now. Is he, he's yeah. your player of the year? I think so. I mean, I, again, prior to the last round, I would have said John Rom, or I'm sorry, not the last round, the last tournament. I would have said John Rom just because I felt like he, for the last three months he played so well. But you know, in the it's like it's like winning the you know winning the Super Bowl. Like you know, you got to find a way to get it done in, in crunch time. You know, people want to see how you perform under pressure and Patrick Cantlay, I mean, the last three weeks of, or two weeks were just incredible, like pressure golf. Like, I mean, the putts that he made uh, a week ago to, to win against Bryson were just, I mean, it's insane. And then he followed it up with, I mean, really good golf. Did anyone look at, um, it's a good question. And I did not look at this. Did anyone look and see what, if they'd taken the strokes away, who would have won the tournament? You would have had a playoff between John Rahm and Kevin Na. John Rahm and Kevin Na would have had a playoff. Yeah, I mean, they, there's they something to be said six, for that. Two sixty six for the weekend with those two. Gotcha. And now, Cantlay was how much he was. He would have missed out by a couple strokes. He was uh, three back, two sixty nine. Yeah. Which it's hard to you know you can look at that, but at the same time, if you're leading the tournament, you're going to hit different shots at different times, knowing that you're leading the tournament. Um, so it's yeah, hard yeah. to put that in in perspective but um kevin and i did have a great did have a great um great tournament for sure what about you mclean who's your player of the year you know going into it going into the playoffs it was probably up with maybe deshambo he won a couple times his u.s open actually counted for this season because of the all the schedule changes you had morikawa who had won a major he'd won a wgc was up there with a bunch of high finishes mm-hmm. you had rom he only has one win on the year. It was obviously the British Open. Uh, on a, then there's a ton, a ton of top finishes, and then Cantlay, you know, weren't wasn't necessarily talked about, but then he goes win win to finish the season. So, I think that's something that, you know, if you look at longevity of the year, John Robb's probably the guy. You know, he didn't win as many times as some of the other guys, but man, did he play a lot of great golf and obviously put himself into contention in a lot of events. Um, I think Cantley the way that he just finished the year is incredible. Um, I personally think he's the best player on the planet right this second. If I had to pick someone to go get it done right now, it's going to be Patrick Cantley. Um, but you know, it, it's it's kind of tough. I think you at the end of the day, 
you got to look at two factors, wins and money one. Um, those two things, I think, really speak volumes about how the year went for someone. And I think Patrick Cantlay just edges him out slightly. I mean, he's got four wins, uh, won the FedEx Cup, won in incredible fashion of the last two events. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's my guy. So a couple of days ago, even in, in a text with Jay, I said, yeah, it has to be him, meaning Cantlay. But as I think about it, I'm going with John Rom. And you're going to say, what, four wins to one win? And, I, and you've heard me on this podcast a whole bunch, giving Tony Finau a, a ton of shit, saying it's about wins, it's about wins, it's about wins. But John Rom won $7.7 million. He had 15 top 10 finishers, including five in the six majors. Oh, and by the way, two of Cantlay's wins really should be John Rahm's. Cantlay won the <laughs> memorial that John Rahm WD'd from with a six-stroke lead because of COVID, and then Cantlay wins a tour championship where Rahm actually beat him over four days. And yeah, that, that's a really good argument. That juxtaposition the second, right there. The second one, not so much. The the he certainly it certainly should have been four to or three, three to, to two. two. Yeah, for the but the last one again. But it is just funny. In, it, it it is it is a good argument. Um, when I but, realized <laughs> when I realized, well, two of Cantley's four wins were like kind of asterisks, and the guy who really maybe should have you could argue was Rom. And I was like, ooh, maybe I'm going to put Rom in this. Yeah, and I I I can I mean I can go both ways 100. percent I mean he he was Ron was Rom was more dominant for the entire season, no question. I think he was. Yeah. He was in the mix more more often than than Cantley. He didn't finish these tournaments off, but no one else did either. Um, up until these last two tournaments, but they still count. I mean, at the end of the day, all of these tournaments count, and and probably that's why there's more there was more weight on these last two tournaments because it's the it's the finale, it's the end of the year. I mean, those are the biggest the biggest tournaments. Yeah. So, I think had had someone else say Colin Morikawa won a major. Uh, Ron won a major. Had these guys won? Ron, what? No, Ron didn't win a major this year. Was that? Yeah, he won the British Open. He won the British this year. Oh no, I mean, no, sorry. He won the U. You won the U.S. Open. Colin won the British. Okay. So had these guys won a major and then maybe three other events and were tied for wins. And I'm, I'm, I'm. You know, if I'm comparing a major and three wins versus a FedEx Cup and and three other wins, I, I'm going to give it to the guy who won the major over the FedEx cup. But the fact that no one won more than two events in the, in the calendar year, he won four and the finale. I mean, it is, I mean, what else are you going to compare it to? Like, yeah. I mean, he, he doubled, he doubled the rest of the field and then he won the biggest event not the biggest, but he won the, the finale. I mean, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely up for discussion, but it, it would have to come down to those two guys. I don't think there's anyone else. Oh no. Close. I think it's just those two because Morikawa, if he would have had a good, strong, Finish. Finish. But I think he's dealing with something. He's been playing terrible. And there was that report that he hurt his back. And I'm not sure if he's still hurting or the back injury caused swing issues. But if Morikawa had a strong playoffs, if Bryson had a strong playoffs, yeah, you can put those guys in the conversation. But, uh, you know, I mean, Bryson obviously lost the playoff, but I don't think he he was pretty bad. His two wins on this season were a long time ago. Yeah. Had he won, had he won that event, uh, last week, it would have been his third win in 
and he would have jumped up how many points? Where would he have changed? He would have been first. He would have been first, and he ended up being fourth or fifth going in to the – or was it not quite that far down? He was – no, I think he was – was he second or third or fourth going in? I can't remember where he started. I I thought Rom was still – Maybe Rom was second. Yeah, Rom was second. And no, then, no, Tony Finau, no, Finau was second. That's right. Finau was second. I think maybe Rom was fourth. Shambo uh, was, was third. Something like that. Yeah, that, that makes a difference, you know. I mean, yeah. But you know, you, you're going to play. A, you're going to play accordingly to to the to the shots. You know, if it's like you know, giving spotting somebody, you know, points on in football, like you know, like, oh hey, you know, all you have to do is beat this team by twenty. And, you know, or whatever, or, you know, just have to not lose by 20, you know, you, you're going to play accordingly as opposed to playing to win, you know, but that, that that's the problem with that whole setup. It's just, it, it's a, it's kind of a, it's a mind twist for these guys. Like if, if you just said, you know, Hey, here's, you know, you, I'm not going to tell you how many strokes you're up. All you guys just go play. And at the end of the day, you know, like, you know, we're going to tell you after the tournament's over, actually you Patrick Cantley, you get 10 shots. And so, and go on down from there, that would be, a, these guys would play the tournament differently if they didn't know how, where they stood in terms of how many, how many strokes they had, like to start yeah. the tournament, how many bonus strokes. No, I, I so agree at that point. They play according to where they stand in the tournament. Like, Hey, if you, you start a tournament and you tee off and you've got a two stroke lead over the next closest guy, and then, a three shot lead over third place and fourth. And then, and then, then on, I mean, you're going to play a different kind of golf. You're not going to take as many chances. You're not going to take as many risks. You don't have to, you're going to make these guys beat you. It's like having the lead going in the last round. I mean, you put tiger in, uh, in first place going into, into uh, the tour championship. I mean, good luck. Oh yeah. No chance. I mean, he's the, the greatest front runner of all time. Absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see. I know what the PJ of America came up today and they gave Rom their player of the year, but that's, that's a point based system. I think a heavily favored um, with scoring average in there. So um, he won that. We'll see where the players vote. That's who wins the PGA tour player of the year is a player vote. So we'll see who they think is the, the player of the year. I'm not sure when they announced that, but yeah, we'll be, and that uh, may be, that may be tough because I think, I mean, as, as, as good as Patrick Cantley is and as good as he played the last couple of rounds. I think they know how good John Rahm I th- is. I think the, the other players know how good John Rahm is. I mean. And they, they know that Memorial gets taken off of Cantley's tally yeah. and gets added to Rahm's tally. Yeah. I think that's going to play into their psyche, you know. Yeah. Um, um, and there's, you know, there's always that little bit where like, hey, you know, he this guy won $22 million. Why, he doesn't need the player of the year. Let's give it to the guy who probably should have won two more, more tournaments. You know, yeah, because Rom's but, really just dying for things. Yeah, he's yeah, hurting. He, yeah, he's really hurting. <laughs> um, but you know, I did find that that uh, that that little tweet that uh, that our buddy Mike Ferguson sent twenty two point six million dollars he won in twenty twenty one. Patrick Cantlay nine hundred eighty four thousand per event, three hundred five thousand per round. $16,996 per hole, $4,401 per shot. Per shot. $4,400 per shot. That's pretty good. That's, That's pretty really good. good. I mean, yeah. 
he definitely earned it on in the last two tournaments with what he did. Well, and and shifting gears slightly, but on the same subject, um, I read an article about his caddy and kind of what happened over his past three weeks. So this has been the craziest month of my life. Three weeks ago, I was wondering about my job. So the first week of the playoffs, um, his normal caddy, Rev, or Matt Minister, I believe his name is, and they call him Rev because last name's Minister, um, he got COVID. So Cantley brings in Joe LaCava. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I saw that. I for the saw first that. event. And this guy's at home with COVID going, Jesus Christ, I, I mean, I have a job. If this goes well, and of course, you know, he finishes 10th. So he said he got out to caves uh, the day that they were finishing up because obviously we know that that event went over um, into the week. And long story short, he he texted Patrick and said, you're going to love these greens. They're just like um, uh, the Memorial or Muirfield Villages. Um, so, of course, goes out and just lights it up, has a crazy putting uh, statistic there, 15 strokes gained. Um, and then obviously wins the tour championship the next week. And this guy has gone from, you know, worrying a little bit about, I guess he wasn't really worried about money, but there was something there. He, he, there was some concern. And now he's just, you know, life's now good. He's probably just fucking life's bought good. a Lamborghini today. Does, yeah. does Patrick Cantley give his caddy? I don't know his name. I'm sorry. You just mentioned Matt him. minister, Matt minister. Does he give Matt 10% of the total? FedEx. Billy Horschel famously did. Matt said that they had an arrangement and that he's going to keep it in between, you know, him and So they had a pre-arrangement. Right. So he's probably not getting 10% of the FedEx cup. But I think it's going to be worth it for him to, do, to he's stick around. He's <laughs> also going to get paid well. And if I'm not mistaken, the player doesn't get that right away anyways. That goes into a retirement account, right? No, it they get used, it now. It used they, to be an annuity yeah. that they used to give the guys over time, but now they changed it to where you get the you get the whole thing. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, that's <laughs> a lot. Of, I mean, it's a lot of cheddar. That's a, that's lot, a lot of cheddar. A lot of cake right there. For two weeks? Come on. 17 million in two weeks. What you guys pull in? You know? <laughs> it's not that. 170? Not that. It's not that. It's dollars yeah, we'll pull we'll pull all three of us and count Tom since he's not here. No, we're close. No, we're in the ballpark. No, we're near that four thousand number. Yeah, <laughs> he's paying more than he's paying more in tax. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah, I just can't imagine that's that's a lot of money. But I don't know. I feel like that's even like not making me that interested anymore because these guys already make a shit ton of money and it's like i don't know like in the first couple of years watching the fast cup playoffs you're like holy shit this putt's worth 10 million dollars but now it's like okay yeah so what like i don't know like I, I, maybe i'm yeah. just numb to it now but yeah it shouldn't the money doesn't i mean it does affect these guys depends on who the guy is you know if it's if it's Tiger, if it's uh, Phil or somebody like that in the mix that they make or Dustin Johnson, like, yeah, they want to win 10 million extra dollars. Of course they do. But if they don't win, they still win. I mean, what's second place in the FedEx Cup points? What is it? Six, six, seven million, something like that. Well, I know Kevin Nob, by finishing solo third, got his points up to where he got a $4 million payday. Yeah, that's uh, what I mean. Off of so, it. So. I mean, 
but it matters to Kevin Nah. Oh Let's yeah, yeah. about that. It does. Uh, you know, it's all about creating drama. You know, and that's that's not uh, that's obviously not up to us. That's up to uh, the PGA Tour and all the sponsors to create that drama. And, but the, you know, they've got to find a way to build it up and make it more dramatic. And I think the more we know about the players, I've always said that. You know, it's like if you ever watched golf without the commentators, that's why. And I hate to say this, but when Fox did the U.S. Open, it was it was atrocious in my opinion. And it was atrocious for one reason. It wasn't because Joe Buck had no clue about golf. It was because they didn't do they didn't do a very good job of of portraying the players uh, and who they are. What's their backstory? Why am I pulling for this guy? Like, what? Tell me why I need to pull for this guy. What's his struggle? Where has he been? Why is he here? How did he qualify for the U.S. Open? You know what? You know what does he need to need to do to make the cut, or you know, if he wins the tournament, how? What is that? What is that going to do his for his family or whatever? You know, all these silly storylines that are super dramatic, but people like watching that stuff. That's why they watch reality TV. That's why that's why they watch soap operas. That's why they watch movies. You know, that they want to see the same thing in sports. Well, so that it wasn't on our agenda list but there was news that came out this week and we won't make this too long so we don't get too far off off topic but the the netflix and the pga tour yeah has joined a partnership where they're going to create a documentary series following players throughout their lives behind the scenes doing what they do practicing family stuff sponsor stuff whatever they're going to do i'm not sure what it is yet they haven't really said but you know, they're going to model it after um, Netflix off their series that they've done for F1 racers. That's been pretty big uh, drive to drive to survive or something. Yeah. yeah drive to survive. And, and I guess that's done wonders for Formula One. I guess ratings have gone through the roof ever since they launched that series a couple of years ago. So, you know, think it's, of like a hard knocks, right? That HBO does for the NFL. Yeah. They follow team around for training camp. And so I'm really curious to see what that look like looks like. I really hope the PGA Tour takes a step back here and lets Netflix run this thing and their production company and their production team do it. Because we've talked about on this podcast, the PGA Tour, they don't like controversy. They don't like ruffling feathers. They don't, they want to be the gentleman's sport game of integrity. We all know not everything that goes on out there is that sport for various reasons and, and, you know, issues. And so I kind of hope some of that comes to light. Not that like, I want yeah. them to make this, you know, salacious thing and blow it up, but I, I want yeah. them to let the players mm-hmm. be real and the content be real and not, you know, Jay Monahan looks at it. and goes, no, you got to cut that. No, nope, you got to cut that out. Let's, they let's shouldn't just... have, they shouldn't have any say on it. If it's, if they have individual agreements with the players, they should stay out of it. Because they're the all of these guys, along with the caddies, independent contractors, they play in this in this field, and it's it's facilitated by the PGA Tour. But at the same time, all of their sponsorship dollars are, are they come from all of the agreements that they've they've procured for, with their agents and by themselves or whoever. So if they can come to an agreement with Netflix and Netflix reaches out to these players or their agents and and come up with an agreement to how they're going to compensate these guys. Uh, the PGA Tour should should stay out of it, in my opinion. Let these let these guys do the let this let them do this, um, and and let it be real. You know, I think in the end, like you said, Mike, 
Yeah, there's going to be, there's probably going to be some, uh, some controversial topics that come up, but in the end of the day, I think it's going to create more buzz about watching golf. I mean, I mean, look, think about it this way. We're probably, and this is everyone's opinion. We're probably on the brink of another lockdown here this winter. So what, I mean, and this is not going to come soon enough, but I mean, think about uh, the Tiger King, like when, when COVID first hit and you had nothing to do and you watched the, this, this, the stupidest show on the planet. I couldn't take my eyes off that. Damn couldn't thing. take my eyes off of it. It was just like so stupid. I'm like, why am I watching this? Why am I watching this? But you wanted to see kind of what happened. And it's the same thing with, with golf. Create this buzz around these incredible athletes, these incredible players and what they're playing for. Um, you know, let Netflix do do their job and 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 create that. And and yes, there's going to be a little bit of of stuff in there that you don't approve of. But if we if we had to go through the PGA Tour for every um, you know social media post and uh, get everything approved, then we could just go to the PGA Tour website. No, I know, and that's like so. I just googled it, and like the Golf Channel article. This is what scares me: is the title pga tour and netflix to produce docuseries no just not good just let netflix produce a docuseries yeah and so there there's been some rumors and reports of some of the names that they have and they're going to try to get some of these big guys um reportedly ricky fowler he was an obvious one tony finau cameron champ are three guys um who have either agreed or have cam champ is a you know, whatever. I mean, hey, uh, it's kind of a lackluster name, in my opinion. But if they, but I think it's it's good to not just have the top guys that we already hear about the most, anyways. Yeah. Let's yeah. hear about some other different stories. Hear about I, all. I would guys. love if they if they profiled a a corn fairy tour guy or two, or at yeah. least did an episode on life on the corn fairy tour. And, and we, yeah. you know, we've obviously talked about it with Calm and and throughout the our um our series here, if you will, our season of, of these podcasts, and so. You know, then this this article saying there was executives down there in East Lake this week trying to persuade JT and DeShambo. Obviously, DeShambo's another choice. That will probably be the most watched episode they do if DeShambo's on one of them, right? Because yeah, like him or not, you want to watch what the hell that guy's doing, saying, hundred yeah, percent practicing. So, so th- I mean, they've they've tried this before. Obviously, the Golf Channel has tried to to track these these guys and and different levels. The problem becomes, um, in my opinion, like it's all it's result based oriented, like everyone wants to see the result, you know, and it's it's too easy to find if you're somewhat into golf, it's too easy to find the result before the Netflix show airs. So it takes away the drama. So they need to find a way, which I'm sure they're smart enough to do because that's what they do, um, find a way to build the drama without it being uh, results driven in terms of their finish in a tournament. More about the player and the character. More about the player and the character and and what they're doing and their interactions with other players and like what happens with this behind the scenes um, interaction with another player or his marketing team or his agent, like what's going to happen like that. They've got to build the drama that way because otherwise you know, people already know, like they, they can't, they can't video all these guys and then come back and say, what happens next? Does Bryson DeChambeau win the U S open? Well, we already know he won the U S open or whatever tournament he played in, you know, yeah. you, they can't do it that way. 
Um, it's going to be more about the process than the it, result. It's got to be more about the process and the drama about, you know, going through the process. What What's going on in their home life or what's going on with interaction with other, other players? Like the stuff that people can't see, if they just give us results, um, and then it's it's going to be a letdown because we already know the results. I mean, kind of like what I said with uh, the Golf Channel, tried to do this with some of these guys. Like, you know, they did that show Pipe Dream, and I think it was another one where they follow these guys around playing the tournaments. It was too easy to find out what happened, you know, you know, yeah. was, you could just get on the internet and say, Oh, well, I saw he played in this and you, you know, missed the cut. Like, all right, I don't need to watch the show, you know? Yeah. So yeah. I'm sure that they've got enough. They've, they've got some producers and directors there that, that can see through all that. But you know, with golf, it's, it's all result driven and you got to find a way to build the drama outside of what you, how you finish in the tournament. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with it. I will definitely watch every episode. Yeah, uh, yeah I will. I will. So let's get into um, the Ryder Cup, right? We've talked about it pretty much every week now for about a month with all these big wins and changes. So, Jay, do you need a break? You can. I'll, I'll just keep talking. I'm talking about the Ryder Cup. Go get yeah, your bourbon. Okay. I see that okay. you're empty. I got a lot to say about that. Okay. A lot to say about that. Oh, and McLean's leaving, too. And folks, it's just me here on the Emergency Nine Golf Podcast. Both of my co-hosts are quasi drunks and going to get drinks while I'm talking. So we'll take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back. And that that Kirkland Seltzer just opens different. Yeah, it sounds cheap. <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's there's a difference between inexpensive and cheap. Inexpensive is smart. Cheap is crappy. All right. And we're back from our commercial break presented by <laughs> Kirkland Seltzer. <laughs> oh, that's great. So as I was saying before, I was rudely interrupted by both my co-hosts just getting up and walking away. <laughs> Ryder Cup. Captain Pick. So we're recording this on a Tuesday. We're a day late just because of the Labor Day holiday and also a little special programming note for our listeners. We're going to be recording this on Tuesdays in the next few weeks because um, I'll be laboring pretty good at work. So tomorrow is Wednesday, 10 a.m. I believe Captain Strick makes his six Ryder Cup selections. Has any of the events, and now I think there's a few question marks in the year. What's Patrick Reed's health status? What's Brooks Kepka's health status now? Because he just WD'd from the tour championship on Saturday, hitting a root with a wrist injury, and he's battled the wrist injuries in the past. And I was just doing some Googling earlier. It doesn't seem like his camp has said much of anything on what his status is going to be. How hurt is it? Was it a minor thing? And he just wanted to take precautions because he was way back. I will say, Kepka, you fucked me in our DraftKings. But I, <laughs> I, lost by, I lost by a point and a half. And I I didn't have Kepka for two days scoring any points. So um, he screwed me there for one. Like the first time I've ever taken Brooks Kepka. It might be the last time I ever take the last. So is he going to play? So that kind of adds, okay, do we really now have seven captain's picks instead of six? If he, if Kepka's out, because he's an automatic qualifier. So there's been some rumors and reports of some of these guys already knowing if they're in. And it sounds like, Seven, eight, nine, ten are already been told they're in in our shoe. Really? That's Finau, Shoffley, Spieth, and Harris English. 
Then there were some comments Berger made in one of his post-round interviews this week. He was talking like he's already been told he's a captain's pick. And I can pull up the actual comments, but it was pretty, you know, cut and dry, like he's in kind of stuff. So if those reports are right, we're down to one pick, and that's going to be Patrick Reed, Webb Simpson, Scotty Scheffler. If you kind of just go the next few guys on the list. Well, what about a Mr. Kevin Nah? A lot of talk. He played great this weekend. He's he's actually been playing great the last few months. If you look at his finishes, he's had a lot of pretty top top finishes. He's got to win this season. You the want course, him or Webb Simpson? The course does not fit his game. He chips and puts his ass off. And I will say he's annoying to play against, which would be awesome to have on the team as far as just him him walking in putts from all over the place on Sergio would be awesome. And that kind of stuff would cause not drama, but the crowd would feed off of that kind of shit and go nuts. Yeah. And the guys, the guys a bulldog, right? And this is a random reference, but I happen to see it on social media today. Today's a, a 10 year anniversary from the coastal Carolina football coach. I don't know his name making some, I don't know if you guys remember this crazy yeah. ass press conference where he was talking about, he was chasing a cat out of his house. And there's a cat in the house. There's a cat in the house. Yeah. And he's like, and he was trying to tell his football team, like we need dogs. We don't need cats looking at how pretty they are in the, in the mirror. We need dogs. Well, Kevin Nas a dog, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> If you Great don't know, reference. if you don't yeah, know what I'm talking about, you, you've got to look it up. You were pretty good. That was pretty good reference. Uh, that what was the name of that coach? That was ten years ago. That ten that years happened? ago. That's epic. Oh my god, that uh, was. Getting back to this though, real quick. So Kevin and I is a dog. However, you got to put him over Scheffler and Simpson, and I think that's very hard to do. I think Scheffler has also been playing really well and is currently playing well, and I think Simpson brings a wealth of leadership experience and knowledge to the team. That's a fairly young team. Um, and especially beyond that, he's someone that gets along with everyone and you can literally play him with anyone on the team. Everyone's going to get along with Webb, as far as I know, for the most yeah. part. Yeah. Um, if Kepka and Reed are out, our team might've just gotten stronger because we just lost a lot of the bad blood out there. Uh, or I said Kepka and Reed, what I say? Yeah, you said yeah. it right. Okay, sorry. Uh, but if those two guys are out, that may have just made our team chemistry a lot stronger. Uh, they're both great players, and I would both take them every day of the week if they're fully healthy because we know what they're capable of doing. And we know, you know, obviously what Kepka is able to do and where he likes to shine in big events. Patrick Reed as Captain America, um, Ryder Cup, I don't think there's an event that he wants to play in more and wants to um, win more. I mean, I may be incorrect about that, maybe in individual championships more, but he really seems to elevate both himself and his game during these events, these team events. Um, anytime he gets a chance to represent USA, which I like. So when it comes down to it, if those two guys are gone, though, all of a sudden, DeChambeau gets along with more people on the team. Um, obviously, the read everything is out the window. So did our team just get a little bit stronger? Because quite frankly, I, I don't think, especially how the guys are playing right now, that either of those two guys are playing better than Scheffler. Or, I mean, you, you could almost make the same argument with Kevin Na. Um, so if we have to go down that list, uh, I don't know that that necessarily hurts us. We have to go down that route, I should say. I don't – I'll just say this. From this, is, 
I don't like where the team's at, frankly. Oh, we're gonna get smoked, I think. I, I feel like we were we were a lot stronger. If you would have asked me this two months ago, six weeks ago, I would have said, Oh, we're gonna fucking steamroll them. I don't I don't like where some of these guys are at right now. It doesn't seem like that many of the top guys are playing that well. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, obviously Kelly's Morikawa's well. hurt. Morikawa's hurt. DJ hasn't really done shit in months. Yeah, Bryson Kepka may be out. Kepka might be out. Bryson, you don't know what you're going to get from. JT's started to show some flashes. Finau's playing well. Xander's been playing okay. We haven't really heard much from Spieth since, I guess, the Open, right? Harris is solid, but he's a rookie. What? What's, you know, he's not. you don't plan on him being a stalwart for the team. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm not crazy about where we... He where this of, squad looks at right now. Patrick Reed's got to be on the team. Yeah, but is he healthy? I mean, he's healthy enough to finish four rounds at, at East Lake. He gotta, he's got to be on the team. There were some sketchy, weird reports about his all kinds of weird stuff. I don't know if he caught any of that. You know, he had that um, double bilateral pneumonia, whatever the hell it was called, that he was in the hospital for. He started talking about how he thought he was going to die in the and the doctors told him to call his family to like get them prepared. But then they were like, well, did you get COVID or did you get tested for COVID? And at first he came out and said, no, I didn't even get tested for COVID. And I'm like, you're Did not you getting pneumonia? admitted to a hospital with pneumonia and you're not being tested. And then the Golf Channel put up a report, an article on their website saying he did test positive for COVID. But then that that article mysteriously disappears from their website. Really? Like there's there's if you dig into the whole P Reed health issue thing, it's kind of weird. Like who knows what the fuck happened to that guy? Because I don't trust a word coming out of that guy's mouth or his camp to begin. I don't with. either. I don't either. I don't care. But if I if I were playing the Ryder Cup and you asked me to pick a player that I was going to play with, I don't know if he would be the number one. But if they told me that I was playing with Patrick Reed, I'd be like, hell yeah, I'll do it. This guy, you talk about having dogs. He's not only a dog; he's a bulldog. And I would play with this guy in the Ryder Cup. And I don't care what differences we have. We may not be friends off the course, but on the golf course, I want to win. And I know a guy who can win in the Ryder Cup, and it's that guy. I don't care if he's had bilateral pneumonia or what, or fake COVID or whatever he did. If I'm playing the Euros in this event, I want that guy on my team. And I know he's going to rise to the occasion. If he gets picked, I guarantee he comes out a winner in terms of his matches. His record is going to be a winning record if he if he gets picked. If he doesn't, we'll never know. But if he does get picked, I'm going to go on record right now. I got $25 for each one of you guys. If what? Say that again? $25 bet for each one of you guys that he com- if he gets picked, he comes out with a winning record at the end of the Ryder Cup. I agree with you, so I can't take it because I'm I'm on your side in that argument. Yeah, I, I really am. yeah. I mean, I think I am too. I'd love to take twenty five bucks off you, but um, <laughs> it's not no, gonna like, happen. Making bad if, bets. No, I think he's he's on my team. As much as I hate the guy and just give him a bunch of shit, if if he's healthy and not just fake telling Stricker that he's healthy, because that's the thing. I don't trust what the hell he's telling Stricker about his health. So yeah, then I want him on the squad. Yeah. Because he, you're right. Everything you said about him is right. He is an absolute bulldog, and he could play for Coastal Carolina any day. <laughs> That's right. 
So oh, that's great. I, it was it was curious. What do you guys think of that? If, if those reports and, and rumors are correct, that Finau, Shoffley, Spieth, which we all said are in, they're they're seven, eight, nine. Then it was Harris, English, and Berger were two guys that sounds like they're in that we were on the fence about you know yeah i i like i like both those picks i think harris has been playing so steady i i do trust him on the golf course right now versus some of these other guys i know he's a rookie um but he seems to have that kind of unflappable personality to him and burger i just like because guy can make a shit ton of birdies he can put his ass off and like i said i before talking about him he's good buddies with both spieth and thomas yeah. So that that helps. There's like a couple automatic pairings right there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, all those guys. I mean, uh, what do you guys? But, what do you guys think about Stricker but, having a relationship with Webb Simpson much more than a lot of these other guys? I mean, and I think I, similar, I, I think it, I, I, I do think it it plays into it. But I will say that you know I'll tell a story. You know, I remember sitting in. You know, I wish Curtis was here to uh, to to tell us this, but um, we I remember sitting on <laughs> Curtis Strange's uh, boat. We were out in the Gulf Stream, and I remember crawling up to the captain's chair there, and we were out, in, you know, forty miles out in the Gulf Stream. And this is in two, well, it was in two thousand before he had to make his his picks for. The uh, well, actually, it was 2000 and it was 2001. Was it was supposed to be the I'm sorry, 2001 was supposed to be, and then 9 11 hit and they postponed it to 2002. So, this is in the summer of 2001, and we're sitting there. And he's he's like, Come on up here, take a look at this view. So, I get up there and got a Bud Light, and I'm like, Man, this is pretty cool up here. <laughs> and he's like, All right, who should I pick? Who are my captain's picks? And I'm like, Whoa, well, I was like, I'm 19 year old kid. I was like, don't ask me. I was like, I have no doubt. I'll just go right off of the list. You know, who, who are the next, you know, two guys? Cause back then it was only two picks. Right. Yep. And now they've changed that. But you know, in the end of the day, we were sitting there and it was, he wasn't concerned with his relationship with the guys, in my opinion. Now he could, he could, you know, contradict that, but he, was totally about who is playing the, the best golf and who is going to help us win. I don't care if it's a buddy of mine. I don't care who this guy is. I think I'm, I'm more concerned with what guy is playing the best golf, but not only what guy is playing the best golf, what guy is going to play the best golf under these circumstances, playing for your country, uh, playing under that immense amount of pressure, who is going to mesh well with the other guys on the team and, and what's going to, what, which guy is going to have the the best of him come out? And, you know, and I think he made the right, the right picks back then. And I think it was like Scott Verplank and, you know, I'd have to go back and look. I'm sorry. I'm looking, at, I'm looking about, at it right now. I'm looking yeah, at it right now. It was, I think it, it was, was Verplank and Azinger. Verplank and Azinger. And I think, you know, I don't know how they both, I know, I know Verplank played decent that week. And, and I think he finished the week with a winning record from what I remember, but. You know, it's it's a tough decision, you know, and you I think in the end of the day, you got to pick the guys that you feel are gonna they're gonna get you the win and they're gonna play the best and you you have the most um a flexibility to to pair them with different guys and you can put them in the mix with other other players and, and 
get the most out of it. And it doesn't matter what relationship you have. So to answer your question, you know, with Steve Stricker, if he's got a great relationship with, with Webb Simpson, that's great. And I think, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that that has plays into his thought a little bit, but in the end of the day, he's like, look, I got to pick the guys who are playing the best golf and not only who are playing the best golf, but who I feel are going to play the best golf. And I don't see how you don't put Patrick Reed on there. You know, Patrick Reed, you know, this past week, he shot 72, 69, 66, 71. Um, you know, he finished at two under par. He finished 25th. A lot of that had to do with where he was stacked with in terms of his strokes. He beat Rory McIlroy, who Rory finished 14th in the tournament. I was like, oh, he, he finished 14th, had, you know, one bad round here and there. But, you know, Rory, no, he didn't, he didn't beat Rory. I apologize in terms of like through the week, but was not far off. Had they not had all these strokes, you know, built in, he would have finished closer to the middle of the pack in this, in this event. So, and it, it, this, this past event is tough to, to gauge, you know, because you're looking at where they finish in the tournament, but how did they actually play? What score does he shoot? I mean, if I see Patrick Reed shooting four under at Eastlake, that's a good round of golf, you know, pneumonia, no pneumonia. He's playing yeah. good. Yeah. That, that's a tough place. And so. maybe that's all, maybe that's all he needed to get a little momentum to go in right into the Ryder cup. He's got a week off, goes in the Ryder cup in a week, make sure he's feeling good. He's healthy. I mean, I, I agree. Have, the, guy, the guy's a knucklehead. Two, he's a knucklehead, but he's got to he's got to be on the team. Yeah, he'll actually have two weeks off. He'll have two weeks off. Exactly. Yeah. So here's here's a, a question I'll pose to you guys. So let's just say the reports are right. Finau, Shoffley, Spieth, English, Berger are in. That leaves one spot. We're going to give that one spot to P. Reed. That's that's seven through twelve. So that's the top twelve of the Ryder Cup getting in. Let's say Kepka's hurt, and there's now a seventh pick. Now that gets to who is it? Is it Webb? Is it Scotty Scheffler? Is it Kevin Na? Is it Sam Burns? Kokrak? Billy Horschel? Kevin Kisner? Phil Mickelson? I'm out. I'm getting the Euro flag, and I'm going to root for the Euros. Ole, ole, ole. If they pick Phil for this team. If, if, <laughs> oh, yeah. You know Phil played. He played so many events at the end of the year on the PJ Tour because he wanted to try to make the team. A hundred percent. I mean, he's played every year for how many years? This will be his first year. Not yeah, and they did. First they did year. name him a vice captain already, but yeah. but he's not playing well enough. Um, I, I'll answer your question really quickly. Um, I think it comes down to two players, you know, and one is the the aforementioned Webb Simpson. He's he's obviously he's the next guy up on the list, and he's he's obviously had a he's played well this for the last two years. He's he's built up the points. Did not qualify for the tour championship. Did not qualify for the tour championship. And that's fine because we know how that's, that's, it's, that's not that hard to do. You know, if you have one bad round, you know, one bad week, you know, you cannot qualify for it. So, but I do think that he has played on the, how many times has he played in the Ryder Cup? Two or three? At least two. At least. Yeah. Okay. Or you take the next guy up on the list who, who is kind of a wild card, Scotty Scheffler, who could play great. He may not. You know, what do you, I think you look at what do you need? Do you need a guy who who makes a ton of, bur- of birdies? That would be Scotty Scheffler. Do you need some guidance from a from a past player? That would be Webb Simpson. And then you look at who's playing the best. It would be Kevin Na. So it would be, in my opinion, those three guys who would be on the list. It would be Scheffler, Webb, or Kevin Na. And then that, that's up to 
that would be up to uh, Stricker to determine what he needs and, and the dynamic with the other players on the team. But it's got to be one of those three. Yeah, he Webb's played on three Presidents Cup and three Ryder Cups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Has not played all. That's the, a lot. That's six team competitions. That's well, I believe than, it's all six of the last um, Ryder Cups and yeah. Presidents Cups. Yeah, played. no, I think uh, he's right. missed missed a couple. Did he? Yeah. So eleven Presidents Cup, twelve Ryder Cup, thirteen Presidents Cup, fourteen Ryder Cup, but then he didn't play anything. Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Uh, then played again in 18 and 19 on the two teams. When he got that claw arm lock stroke going. When the fucking USGA fucked him again. And we're going to talk about him in a, that or the USGA in a second. And you Mr. know, Mickelson. I hate the USGA. I, Webb Simpson is, I like this guy. I mean, he's, he's a, he's a good player. He's a grinder. Like he's a, he's a team kind of guy. Like he just, he gets it. So I, it, Again, I would put him on there. I've t- I think I've told this story. I- I'm getting losing track <laughs> with the stories I've told in this podcast. So, um, you're telling the mini tour story? Uh, no. The, the Monday qualifier, the yeah. rain. Yeah, the Monday qualifier. Did I already tell that one? Yeah, you told that one. That's I've heard awesome. it like I've heard it like eight times, but I think you've well, told it on the podcast. I mean, it is a good fine. one. It, it is, is a good one. But uh, that again, and that's that's my point with that is like you know, the guy is such a nice guy, and he's, he's a such dog. a grinder. You know, he's a dog. He's a dog. Like he, he's gonna find a way to get it done. You know, which is it, it's incredible. Those are the guys that you want on your team. That like, when all odds are against you, you're like, hey man, you should probably go home. If you're four over par on a Monday qualifier, you were is- you were a cat, Jay. Yeah, you I guess I'm a cat. That's, that was right. the only only Monday qualifier that I've, I've done probably a hundred, and that was the only one that I left after nine holes. And of course, the only one that I left after nine holes, I was playing with Webb Simpson before anyone really knew who he was. And here he is. He shoots 30 on the back nine and qualifies then friggin', you know, the rest is history. But that's why, I mean, that's partly why I really like the guy because he was so nice and so generous and I'm leaving and leaving him by himself to play the back nine. And he's like, Oh no, we'll figure it out. Like, of course you will. Yeah, you <laughs> you don't have the distraction of me hitting balls in the woods looking, it looking for my ball. He figured it out. Yeah. So I, I think I go web there too. I really have a hard time. I think you're right. It's Webb, Scotty, and Kevin Na. You know what? Fuck it. I'm saying Kevin Na. Let's get some new blood, some new juices. Let's. I think everyone on tour likes Kevin Na, so I don't think you have a hard time pairing him with any. You don't have to play him all five, all five sessions. He's going to drain some putts. He's going to get the crowd going. We need, we need some sort of edge. Let's do something different, like. That's why well, we lose in all this shit every every time. Like you know, the the one the one you're that's a good point. The one thing that I give to Kevin Na is obviously, I mean, he's 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 American, we know that, but he's got a heritage outside of the US, which I think gives him a little bit of an edge because he's like, you know what? I don't, you know, I'm 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 so he's he's his heritage is worldly, like he's it's not like oh, I'm so tied to the US, and I think that's a good thing. Because he's not intimidated by anything. No, that I think he's got a chip like, on his shoulder too. Yeah, he's got a chip on his shoulder. It's like he's trying to prove himself. Like, hey, I'm I'm not just American. I am Asian. I can do all of this. I can I can play for anybody, and I can beat your ass. And it doesn't matter. Like if I wear red, white, and blue, or if I'm wearing any other colors, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to win. So it's kind of. I think it's kind of cool to have him on there. I will say that if I didn't have Patrick Reed on there, I kind of. 
would, wouldn't mind Kevin. Not. And I think, think mainly because I think he's annoying. So I think that I think that's great. Mike, I think that's it's a good quality to have when you play like that annoying match play player. Is, like Ian Poulter is an annoying match play player. How has Kevin not played in the World Golf Championship match play? I, I, has he? He's played well in that event in the past. I think he has. I, I don't know his record. Is, was he a runner head. up one year? Uh, I'm not a personal Wikipedia, so I'm not sure on I that. I mean, I feel like you feel like you are. I feel like you are a personal Wikipedia, but maybe I'm. I know, just my expectations of you are really too high right now. <laughs> I can guarantee you that. Because <laughs> I certainly am not. But anyways, I, let's let's keep the conversation moving. It's it's going to be an interesting choice tomorrow morning. I'm really curious to see what he does. I hope he does after something a little different. I'm just talking myself more and more into this Kevin Knott thing. Like I was all over Scotty Scheffler because I think he's young and he knows some of the guys and I'm okay with a little rookie blood. I don't know. Webb, Webb's been there, done that. He's been on three Ryder Cups team and we lost all three. So awesome. I yeah. don't know. Like let's let's change it up. Let's do something different. I'm sick of losing. And we're going to talk about the Sol- Solheim Cup team here in a second. We can talk about the Europe-US dynamic here. But real fast, I want to do another mass hole minute. Do it. On, Let's hear on it. My, on my boy, Phil Mickelson. So McLean and I got in that great argument last week about Phil being all pissed off about the USGA potentially limiting the length of the driver. And he was trying to act. He was on his fucking self-righteous high horse saying it was bad for amateur golf when it's it's not. It's just really not. His facts are wrong. So then he doubles down this week, and he puts out a stupid selfie tweet, Instagram video, whatever. And he, he goes through some convoluted comparison of murders, homicides, and ice cream sales. And I don't know where he was going with that. And then his... <laughs> His way to fix this in the distance debate in golf is to go back to a liquid centered golf, liquid core golf ball that spins more and goes more offline. And that was his change. And for all golfers, mind you, not for the pros, for all golfers. So, Phil, if you think the amateur game is going to get hurt, by limiting the length of the driver, but you don't think the amateur game is going to get hurt by a golf ball that's probably going to go shorter and is going to go way more offline, then you, sir, are a fucking idiot. <laughs> like what he is advising for hurts the amateur game of golf way more than a f- taking a 47-inch driver and making it 46. I'm sorry, Phil. You are fucking wrong. You are on the wrong side of this argument, and you're a dumbass. <laughs> um, I yeah, I I don't yeah, I agree. I agree with you, Mike. I don't, I don't think I think rolling back anything is a bad idea. Um, you can stop. You can limit where we are. You can limit progression, and stop what we're doing um, in terms of the ball length. You know club head size, coefficient restitution, yada, yada, yada. We've all, we all know all those terms, but um, you can stop that and say, Hey, this is where we are. You can set limitations which the, the USGA and the, um, and all the other organizations have done, but the rolling back is, is just, it's, it's tough to do. I think that if you roll, if you roll things back, roll the ball back, 
roll the club head size back, roll the length of the club back. All you're, all you're going to do is tarnish the, the history of the game. And that's what, that's what this game is built on. I mean, it's very similar to baseball. It's like saying, hey, we're going to shorten the season to 135 games. Okay. Now, what, what happens with all the records that were, that were built, upon, built up to this point? You know, because that's how everyone compares every every every, uh, every predecessor uh, that's been in the league. It's no different than the golf. Like, okay, well, Tiger won 14, 15 major championships using this ball and this length club, and now we're rolling it back. So, does do all those records still count, or or do we have to put an asterisk beside all those? Um, so, you know, to answer your point, I agree. I just. I don't think it's, I think it's silly to try to roll something back. Now you can, you can limit and stop the progression, but you can't go backwards. In my opinion, I think that's, that's, that's bad news. Yeah. I just, I think he's completely wrong to, to think that changing the golf ball and making golf ball go shorter and spin more is not going to affect the amateur game is really, really dumb. And again, it just goes to the fact that last week he's trying to hide behind this curtain of, oh, I'm doing this for the good of the game. No, you're doing it for you. You're doing it for you, Phil, because everything you do is for you, and you're a phony sack of shit. <laughs> so anyway, I, we don't want to get into a whole debate over this. I, I just couldn't believe it. We had that huge argument last week about just driver length, and then he combats it with this. I almost like stood up and applauded. I'm like, thank you, Phil. You just gave me some great fucking content, you dumbass. <laughs> like, it was like, you're a, you just don't get it. You just don't get it you're out of touch with the amateur game of golf if this is what you're saying yeah. i think um yeah no you're right you're right i think some of these guys and they get that big i mean and let's be honest i mean if you would if you were to classify the top the biggest names in golf i mean obviously tiger's number one he's the biggest name in golf even though he hasn't played for a year uh, you know he's the biggest name in golf and then the, the next biggest name would be Probably Phil, the most recognizable, and I think there's certainly an element of them, you know, uh, you know, be, there's a disconnect there with, between what really is going on and what they are thinking and going through. And yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with you 100. I don't think he's really thought this out, and is not. He probably has a lot of people around him that are are, are yes men that say, "Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, that's a great idea." Yeah. He needs he needs one of his buddies to be like, dude. You're you're way off. No. Yeah. If you're worried That's about the stupid. amateur game, don't change the golf ball. Yeah. So, all right, let's get on. Um, like I said at the, at the start of this show, I was on the Solheim Cup all week. I love the event. Big LPGA guy. Austin Ernst was playing team event on American soil. It was at Inverness, which is just a great track, great venue was and thoroughly enjoyed watching that place all weekend. Uh, Andrew green. It's a Donald Ross golf course. It's been redone a couple times, but Andrew green most recently has restored it kind of back and redone some things. And he was the one that did the renovation on the foundry golf club in 08, 09. So that was cool to see. And the Americans were Pretty big favorites. If you just looked at it from a world ranking standpoint of this team, of the two teams, excuse me, they should have walked away with this thing. And well, in typical U.S. team golf fashion, they fucking lost to the Europeans. 
And so with, without talking about, you know, specifics to go over it, it just, is there something that the Europeans are better at in these team events than we are? And there's the cliches, oh, well, the, the U.S. only, you know, cares about themselves and they can't do team. They don't gel. They don't know each other. But I can see where that takes hold a little bit on the men's side. But like on the LPGA side, the social aspect of the LPGA tour, they seem like from all I can take from knowing a couple of them and following a lot of them on, on Instagram, they all seem to be very close friends, even more so than the, than the PGA tour. So that aspect gets lost on me a little bit when you talk about the Solheim cup and the women in general, but now it's four out of the last six, the Europe's Europeans have won in the Solheim cup. They've now won back to back. They've won on American soil. What is it? Well, I don't know what it what's about us in these team events when we come in with the favorites every year, every time on every year, but every occasion. And it seems uh, like we should win. And are they just better putters than us? Are they more clutch than us? Does the pressure get to the Americans more? Is it the chip on the shoulder? Is are they just dogs and we're cats? <laughs> I think and, they oh wait, do the you know, wait the women are they dogs or we're Wait, talking about, I'm talking about, I'm talking about their Rabbit. dogs as in the Europeans. The Americans are cats, both men and women. Both men and women. That the cat and dog analogy cat as a woman player, no, no. Or is it better to be a dog? I'm just we're trying we're to keeping, make sure we're, we're keeping gender out of this. Here. We're keeping yeah. gender out of this. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, that's gets confusing. I'm just gonna say <laughs> it's confusing. If you when you when you switch it over like that. Well, hey, there's there's male and female cats, Jay, and there's male. I know, and I don't dogs, know which so. one they want to be. Do they want to be a dog or where they prefer? Well, if you're to playing be a for cat. Coastal Carolina, you want to be a dog. Yeah. Okay. But the Soham Cup, the the members may want to be cats, and they feel like they play better yeah. if they're cats. So we I get just... a lot of fucking cats in the house then. <laughs> um, no, I think. Yeah, I think there's an element of, of team sports that um, and camaraderie that the U.S. we don't get. I think there's less and less of American golfers play team sports, and it's 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 ever growing. It's only going to get worse. Um, and so when we get in these team settings, they just don't know how to feed off of another team member. They don't know how to they don't know how to ride the wave, so to speak. Um, but I feel like. Uh, I feel like Europeans, they, they get that. I think a lot of uh, their, and, and, and again, I'm making a real general classification here. So, you know, don't hold me to it, but I feel like Europeans as a whole, they're, they're a little bit more family oriented. They do more things with the family, they do more things as a team, uh, team sports are, are bigger. Um, so they, they really get into it and they know how to feed off of, off the energy of a teammate. Whereas, I mean, how many of these guys on the, I say guys, I'm talking about the PJ tour majority of these guys didn't play a whole lot of other team sports. Most of these guys. Now there are quite a few that, that did, but I, I would say the majority of them as they got older into high school, less and less over the last 10 or 15 years, less and less of these guys are playing team sports. They start playing competitive golf at, 12, 13, and that's it. That's all they play. So they learn how to do what they do and they're not willing to accommodate and work with another team member and, and figure it out. And I think the, the, the women's side is, is probably seeing the same thing. These girls start playing competitive golf at such a young age and they, they, 
they disassociate themselves with any other team sport. And that's it. It's like focus on golf. That's it. That's it. That's it. Whereas European players, I think still do a lot of that at a, at a later stage. And they, they, they're still accustomed to working with the team and feeding off that energy. And that's what, like, you look at the guys who have done well, Sergio played soccer his whole life with on a team and loves it. And he's one of the greatest Ryder cup players of all time. If not, when he's done, I think Sergio Garcia will be the greatest Ryder Cup player of all time. Statistically, uh, however you want to categorize it, he think he will be the best because I think he's still going to. I think he's going to play in two or three more Ryder Cups. Um, whereas you get to the U.S., we've got guys that are like, oh, you know, I, you know, I played golf from the time I was ten to you know twenty six, and I don't know anything else. I don't. I don't play any team sports, and that's what this is. It's a team sport. I know it's an individual. Golf is an individual sport, but when you get together for a team format, you got to be able to feed off the other your other teammates' energy. And I don't think we do that as well as the Europeans do. And I, I've never heard many people talk about the whole team aspect of other sports that much. You hear like, oh, well, the Europeans are a lot closer. Well, how are they a lot closer? They're coming from multiple different countries, multiple different cultures. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, I don't buy that argument because like. You're, you're talking about we're all from the same culture. We're all from the United States. We should be able to get along better than 12 people from, call it seven different countries, six different countries. They should have a harder time meshing than we should. In yeah, all not, honesty. I, don't think it's, I don't think it's getting along, like, like I was just explaining. I don't think it's getting along with the other players. Who cares? Like, I don't, if I were hanging out, I would not hang out with Patrick Reed. Probably not. He probably wouldn't hang out with me. He wouldn't like me. I got, you know, whatever. I got... I got other stuff going on. He wouldn't hang out with me. But when we were on the course, that guy, like you said, that guy's a dog. I want to play with him. I want to win. And I want to play with Patrick Reed because he's going to win. And when we get done, we'll shake hands. We'll do a little fist bump, a little chest bump, whatever. And we'll go on. He'll go do his thing and not talk to his parents and his family. And I'll go back and hang out with my family because that's what I do. But it's completely separate. That's not his thing. But as we get on the golf course, we will. We will mesh because our goal is to win. And I think I think that the Europeans have done a much better job of all of the guys. It's an overall encompassing idea of winning, like as a team, like whatever it takes to win. And all these guys have played team sports, so they get it. They're like, hey, if you want to sit me for this, I don't care. I'll play with whoever you want me to play with. We'll get it done. Whereas I think there's a little bit more – a little bit more ego and 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 not as much of that come you know camaraderie and I and, and I I'm, I'm I'm paraphrasing here but because some guys would argue that but it's not it's not that you're when you get together and for the Ryder Cup it's not that you're not trying to work with another team member it's that you haven't done that for the last 15 years you know it's like you've only focused on what you have to do and you really have to playing on a team team golf is you know you know it you play with you know, you're, you're members at the club and you're like, Hey, I like playing with this guy. We feed off of uh, the energy. We, we can, we can really get something going. Um, whereas, you know, some of these other guys like Tiger, he's, he's a mediocre Ryder cup player because he's never really had a whole bunch of experience with team, uh, team sports. He's done everything himself. So that's why he's kind of in the middle of the pack. And honestly, he's in the middle of the pack. Like singles probably, numbers. Yeah. He's singles numbers. If, if it were just off of the 
team, he'd probably be even lower than that because, yeah. because he's, he's been so poor with the, with the team part of it. What's your take McLean on the whole Europe no, us? He, he's exactly right. I mean, they, they, in the most simplest form, they play better as a team than we do. I think it's tough to quantify exactly why that is, but there is obviously something that is different instilled in these guys. If you're from, um, you know, the UK and Europe, there's something that is being instilled in these guys from a team aspect that we can't put our finger on, but they just do it better than we do at the end of the day. Um, I also feel like they want to win more than we care about losing. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. You know, they, they want so bad to win and to provide, you know, uh, even if you look at it in a, in a simpler form, you know, it's like, for example, John Rahm and Sergio Garcia are two guys playing for an entirety of a country, an entirety of their nation. And for them, it means so much to be able to potentially, one, represent their country in a team format, because yeah. in golf, we just reintroduced the Olympics to where these guys have another opportunity to do that. But for the longest time, this was their only chance to actually do so, where you know, what are we going to have max from there? Maybe three guys from England, um, yeah. you know, a, a couple from all over. I mean, we're talking about three guys representing the entire nation where we have all of our guys from the same spot. No, I don't know that it good, means that's a good point. Much. I don't know that it means as much to our guys as it do, as it does for someone who, you know, I don't know, has such a rare opportunity for their country to be involved in it. I mean, I think especially yeah. if you're even from a smaller nation, it's even more impactful or say if you're the only one, you know, I I feel like it's, it's a, uh, it's a big deal to these guys. Yeah. For like Sergio Garcia to play in the Ryder cup for Spain, like his country is like, Hey, he's our only guy, you know, whereas I don't, are there any, uh, is John, who, what are the other from Spain as well, but Time stops. I want to be real careful here when we talk about the Spanish sensations here. So we get there. Abraham answer is not eligible for the European Ryder Cup team. It's not eligible. Um, So it's just, it's just John Rahm and, and, and Sergio. But in the past, I mean, for a long time, it was Seve. Then it was Maria, Maria, Miguel Angel Jimenez. Yeah. But, but recently it's only been Sergio. He's the only guy. So it's like every time he plays in a match, the entire country is watching him. He's got so much energy. All these guys are pulling behind him. Um, you know, that, that you, you made, I think you made a great point. I mean, for them, it's a country. Uh, I'm sorry. It's a, it's a continent and the country's in, in the middle. And then for us, it's just a country, you know. We're just the U.S., so we've got 12 guys that are spread all over the U.S., which is important. It is important, but and it's still you know, for you, if you're representing your entire country, that's a big that's a big deal. I, I just think they care more about it. Yeah, they do. Yeah, I, they I, just they seem like grinders more to me a little bit. They like the underdog role. They have a little more of a chip on their shoulder. I think yeah. they're just a little more clutch because of that. Maybe the Americans are just more front runners per se, where they don't grind it out as much as the Europeans do. Um, so, I don't know. It's just curious to see. It was a fun, to take it back to the Solheim Cup, it was a fun weekend, a lot of good golf. You know, the Europeans came out to a huge, huge lead in the first session. Americans fought back, and 
looked bad at first on Sunday, then it looked good and just, just didn't make enough putts and, you know, two point loss and just, just another loss. And they had like no fans because they can't come over here because of COVID. They had like no fans at Inverness up there, the European team. So it was truly a road game over there. And hmm. Bubba Watson was being his douchey self as one of their uh, team helpers there. <laughs> if you didn't see that. So I don't know. Why was he? Why was he there? I, I don't know. It did come off kind of genuine. And I've been turning it, turning. I'm going to take that back. I don't know. I don't like, I don't like Bubba. <laughs> I think he's just an attention, <laughs> attention seeking whore. So that's what I think. Anyways, he was there all week. So, but it, it's just curious. It just kind of brought me to a bigger point. Like, hey, we, we did it again. Just happens to be women playing the game this time instead of men. But, Big favorites, and we don't get it done. So it was tough to see, but hopefully uh, in a couple of weeks in Whistling Straits, we can we can change that. And I'm gonna I'm gonna call David Bennett. That's his name, former Coastal Carolina coach. And it's let's see if we can. I'm gonna fly him to Whistling Straits to give a, a pep talk a to speech. the to the boys. I'll call Captain Strick and be um, like, hey. On that note, I think um, Whistling Straits and Kohler Resort needs to be the next golf trip. Sure. I'm in. Linda, you're listening. We're in. It's a business trip. <laughs> Everyone has told me that place is incredible. Obviously, we all know it is, but um, you know, they I think they have four courses up there and they're all just awesome. Jay, you had me at golf trip, so you didn't need to <laughs> you didn't need to go you need to go too deep uh with the description. So real fast on the Solheim Cup, did you see the rules controversy that happened? I did. Yeah, I did. I forget what day it was. It was a Saturday afternoon maybe it was during foursomes i think um it was four yeah. it was four ball it was an afternoon session i want to say it was four saturday nelly corda has i just want your take on what happened here from a rules official standpoint not from a player standpoint but nelly corda has a pretty long eagle pot on a par five cozies it up there and it's be careful how i say this it's sitting right next to the hole well madeline sagstrom walks up Nellie Corda kind of drops to her knees like she thought she made it kind of thing. Madeline Saxham, who she's playing, walks up, picks up the ball, and throws it back to her to concede the tap-in birdie. And they finish the hole. They have the hole with birdies. Rules official stops them coming off the green and says, hey, you did not allow that golf ball enough time because we thought it was overhanging the lip and could have gone in. And by the rules of golf, you're supposed to give 10 seconds for a ball that's overhanging the lip the chance to go in or not. At that point, it's deemed at rest. But because Madeline Sagstrom grabbed it so fast, they deemed the rules officials deemed the golf ball made, as in the eagle putt was good, and the USA won the hole. They then won the match one up. So that was the 13th hole. And so it wasn't like a player called the rules official over or alerted one of the captains who got the rules. The rules official injected herself into this. Yeah. And the Europeans, Europeans got, you know, upset and they're like, Hey, can we look at the footage? And they said, yeah, we did look at the footage and they deemed it that it was overhanging and you couldn't really tell, you know, they NBC tried to zoom in on it. And there was, of course, people online trying to zoom in. It was really freaking close to the edge of the hole, but to say that it was definitely overhanging, you know, and Madeline Saxon was like, it was not going in. I knew that ball was not moving. That's why I picked it up. It was not going in. I think one, Madeline, 
don't touch another player's golf ball. Yeah. Is is one for any golfer yeah. out there, don't touch another player's golf ball. We'll keep you out of this. But yeah. two, for the rules official to then interject herself into the situation is I don't know. I didn't like it. And I guess it was part of the captain's agreement and the rules officials are there if they see something to call it, but I I don't know. It's just it was a weird situation. I hate that. I mean, I don't, I'm not a fan. I, I mean, I, again, here we go. I'm going to tell another story that I've probably told in this podcast before. Um, but I was, I, I was again, playing Ches Revy in the uh, U.S. Public Links in the first round of the U.S. Public Links in 2003. And we're on this 17th hole. I had a ball about two inches off of the fringe. And he had a, and this is, it was a 10 footer and he had an eight footer on the green. I was two, two inches off and I'm walking up my, I'm, I'm, I see my ball there and I'm walking up with my divot tool to fix a divot that was just on the green, you know, which I have the right to fix um, a, a, a ball mark. And as I'm walking up to fix the divot, the rules official comes over and said, whoa, 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 what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Stop, 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 stop. And I'm like, I'm just, I'm, you know, as I'm getting ready to say, I'm just fixing my divot. Ches Reavy comes over and, and says to the, which, you know, I, you know, you can look at it two ways. He was probably like, Hey, get, you know, get out of the way. Let us do what we want to do. If he wants to mess up and, and fix the divot in the fringe, then that's a benefit to him. But I looked at it as the way he said it was, Mr. Official, thanks for your help. Hey, we will regulate ourselves. If we need your help, we'll ask you. That's what he said. And he said it the right way. And, and that's that's what they're there for. You know, you're there as an official, not not a, like a referee. You're there. If we need your help, you'll tell us what, what the ruling is. You don't need to jump in when we're playing. It's not like uh it's not like a, a ref, like a referee in like an like NBA game or an NFL Joey, game. Joey Crawford. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, he was like he told the he's told the 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 official, the walking official, like, hey, back up, let us play. We'll we'll regulate ourselves, and if we need your help, we'll have you come in. Um, and that and that's what it should have been there. And, and with this situation with the Solon Company, like, hey, we'll take care of it. If we need your help, we'll ask you. You know, yeah, because like Team Team USA, Nelly Corda didn't know that there was even a potential rules yeah. rules violation. They were just walking off the green, you know, because they let I don't I don't remember which member if it was Madeline or, or one who, who her partner was that made the birdie putt to have the hole, but they were just walking off the green like nothing was yeah at fault. And they even said I didn't hear this. There was a conversation, but I guess there was an article I read. I don't know if it was Pat Hurst, the U.S. captain, or if it was Nelly, or someone said, like, can, do we have a say in this or anything like that? And the rules officials are, no, we've called it, and that's it. Like, Yeah, that's weird. That's, so. that's, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a huge fan. I, I know some really great rules officials, as you, Mike and McLean, that you've probably played amateur events with that really get it, and they would never do that. So I don't want to throw any of those guys under the bus because there's some really good guys out there. But there are there are some that don't get it, and they really want to show their worth and and say, "Hey, I'm I'm here. I'm valuable. You know, you need me." And then, well, I think and, you're right. I think there's and like you said, like in almost every sport, there's a couple that want to interject yeah. themselves and and. You know, there's a couple in the NFL. There's a couple in the NBA specifically. There's a, I can think of a couple in, in baseball that just yeah. kind of 
like to put on the show a yeah. little bit too much for the cameras or the crowd or whoever and just interject themselves. So, yeah, I was an unfortunate situation. And, you know, I know Madeline Sagstrom, I guess, was in tears afterwards because they lost by one. And I know even Who was like, the rules official. Did you have the name of the rules official? She's an LPGA tour rules official. Her name's Missy something. I don't know her last name. Her first name was Missy. Well, um, wonder how that goes moving forward. Or as, as someone aptly named her on social media, Missy Misdemeanor. <laughs> as in the uh former rapper missy elliott but yeah. um so it was it was just it was just interesting and you know it kind of left a bad taste even in the in i heard uh ali ewing and, and nelly quarter after they won their post-run interview they're like yeah it's just it was really awkward the rest of the round and yeah we won Unnes- but we don't we don't feel great we don't awkward. feel great about it and it's not that pleasing and i don't know we just want to go home <laughs> yeah because they would they would have preferred to win without any discrepancy or any asterisks beside the win right so it's like yes, exactly. you cloud the whole you know if the, if if the u.s were to win by one point oh which yeah. wasn't that far off they lost by two right yeah. i mean it wasn't that far off had they won by two or well, one point then it would have been god that would have been talk about some controversy <laughs> oh yeah that so. would have been that would have been tough but. All right. Well, we're getting we're getting a little long tonight, but there's a couple of quick points um, I want to go over real fast before before we uh, close it out. And this this came to me this weekend watching the Solheim Cup and the Tour Championship. There was a the 17th hole at Inverness Solheim Cup, tough driving hole, really narrow downhill. So a lot of the players were hitting it left down the 16th fairway, and then had an angle, no trees to hit onto the 17th green. And then you, if I flip over to the tour championship and Bryson DeChambeau is on 18 at East Lake and he's trying to hit it down another hole and loses it or doesn't lose it. And someone fucking picked up his golf ball and ran away with it. And allegedly, I don't know, it's just more Bryson talking to a rules official, which I see it like I see every weekend. So he's hitting it down another hole to get an angle. And it's happened a couple of times this year in the PGA tour where they've even instituted internal OB on certain holes. So they don't for players not to hit it down on other fairway. And you're supposed mm-hmm. to play the hole as it is. What's, what's your take? Is that smart? Is that, Hey, if, if it's, it's if an advantage and I can do it, do it. Or should the hole be played as is? Um, I'll jump in McLean. Um, I, I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of you play the golf course. It's through the green. You know, I know that they've changed the terminology now and they don't really say through the green with a new, you know, rule general ball, area, general area. They call it. You're right. But if you can hit it there and it's a better angle, then you hit it there. Uh, with that being said, I put I put the responsibility on the uh, the tournament staff to set that up properly. What what? It, Sorry, that was I haven't used the bell for the, with that being said in a while. So I had to. Uh, get, did I, I say with it. that being said? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. This thing, this thing was collecting dust on my desk here. Oh man, let's let's hit that thing up. Um, <laughs> so I don't blame the player. I blame the 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 tournament the the tournament staff. The uh, if they're there to set up the the tournament, uh, set up the course and and the safety of the players, then they need to they need to do that, and that's on them um, because. You can't put it on the player. If it's like, if I've got an advantage and it's in play, I'm going to do it. So you can't blame the player for doing that. I've played in multiple tournaments where they've had, you know, it's a Parkland style golf course. You got holes going back and forth, back and forth. And like, Hey, if I hit it down this fairway, there's no bunkers, no trees. I've got a, 
especially with uh, the fact that they allow, you know, range finders, it makes it that much easier. You don't have to worry about getting the right yardage. So it's even more enticing for players to do that. So you really have to have uh, a good tournament staff and uh, rules official staff to get out and say, you know what? Hey, I think these guys may want to hit it down here. We need to put in course out of bounds here. Uh, so they don't, and the reason they should do it is so they don't kill another player. I was playing in uh, a tournament a couple years ago in, in Pittsburgh and it's a 11th hole of Pittsburgh field club, par five. It's a dog leg left. If you don't hit it down, it's a, it's a tight golf course. It's, it's a great golf course, but if you don't hit it on the right side of the fairway, I'm, when I say right side of the fairway, I mean 12 to 15 yards on the right side of the fairway. You don't have, you don't have an approach into the green. So the trees are, you block you out, it's par five. So some guys would take it down the 12th fairway, which is a long par four. It's not a, it's not a great angle, but some guys thought it was great. But I, you know, I was walking up the 12th fairway and another guy off the 11th fairway was hitting his drive down the 12th fairway. Didn't know, didn't hear, no four, nothing. The ball landed, it literally whizzed by my ear by two inches and landed right behind me, plugged in the ground. Um, had a, and had, had, I mean, it had two inches over it. It would hit me in the head and the eye. I mean, I could, I mean, you know, I, whatever, you know, that's, but the point is like, you can't have guys hitting balls where people aren't expecting balls to come. So in another fairway, you know, somebody's going to get killed. So that's up to the tournament staff to just say, Hey, you know, this is a dangerous thing not only with other players, but fans, if they're trying to hit it down on the fairway. So they, they need to be able to recognize that and say, you know, Hey, you can't do this. We got to set up in course out of bounds and make a local rule before the guys tee off and, and, and go from there. So I don't blame the players. I blame, I blame the tournament staff for not, for not recognizing those. And if, if, if that, if that happens in the future and somebody gets hurt and it's, there's no in course out of bounds and it's on tournament staff for, for not setting up appropriately and fixing that. McLean? Yeah, I I agree with Jay. I, I'm not going to blame the players. I will say if I'm a player and I found a way to get to um, feel like I'm giving myself a better chance and it's allowed within the rules, I'm uh, 100% going to put that in play. 100%. Um, but he is correct. When you're on the PGA Tour, it's a lot different than us being out on our, our back nine at our home course um, and maybe doing the same thing. Yeah, you might hit – a foursome you have a chance of hitting four guys but in this instance there the chance is hitting 40,000 or 4,000 or 400 yeah. whatever it is yeah the chance is obviously much greater than it would be at your local course so it's tough to really compare apples to apples whether or not it should be allowed everywhere or whether because of whichever event you're in there's more exposure to anyone's risk um it's up to the uh management committee or ruling committee of that um of that event to place in course out of bounds and make sure that it's not allowed yeah i i would strongly prefer that a hole be played as it was designed and the architect intended you to play it yeah however i really hate internal ob so i think i'm okay with them doing it it's 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 fine with me again if if you're a player and you're given an opportunity to, to think outside yeah. the box and, and taking advantage, then then do it. I, I, I'm with you on the whole safety and security. And, you know, Bryson 
does it and he did it at the US Open, hits it to crowds on purpose and doesn't yell for, but we all know he's a douche. So then and that's you know, again, but going down our fairway. Yeah. yeah. It's just I, I don't I just don't I've never liked the thought of internal OB for whatever reason. I hate that too. I agree. It's been weird to me. So but again, if on the PGA tour, if they have to do it from a safety reason, yeah. I'm I I can get that. I understand yeah. that and I and I'm okay with that. But um, and again, I, I'd prefer that everyone just play the hole as the architect intended you to play the hole. And if it's a hard driving hole, well, it's it's a hard hole. Yeah. So no, I agree. He was he was trying to make a hard golf hole. Whoever. Yeah. He, but he if was, he didn't do know? a good job, if the, if he left some gaps in there for another player to take it on a, a different a different angle, then well, also here's he, another thing though. You if can't you go take player. you take Inverness for as an example. Donald Ross design, early 1900s. But in the modern era of golf, everyone's taking trees down. So the trees that may have been there when Donald Ross designed the golf course are no longer there and has now opened up an opportunity for them to hit it down another fairway. Yeah, which again, we've had this debate. Everyone wants to uh, restore these golf courses to their original uh, design. Um, You know, okay what what are we going to do here you know we're, we're storing the, the course of the original design but now we're taking trees down you know why why can't we do that you know yeah. so um you know i i, I that that's a whole nother that's a, a whole whole other debate we're not going to get whole into another debate tonight. on keeping trees and not keeping trees but so um, it was just anyway. it's just interesting. It seems like it's it's more of a thing now the last couple of years you've and, seen is and I think partly people are just you know players players and caddies and, and coaches are, are getting smarter too, in all honesty. Yeah. Well, I think I think the the allowance of not on the PGA tour as much, but the allowance of uh you know rangefinders, you know, it's it's not as before if you if you took you know 20 years ago or 15 years ago. If you took a ball down the wrong fairway, uh, you, you didn't have any yardage into the green. Like it was really, you're really guessing, you know, because you have your you have your yardage markers and you have your yardage books, but they were for the fairway that you were you were intended to play. So now if you go 40 yards, 50, 60, 70 yards on the wrong direction, you have you just don't have any, you don't have a clue and then you're guessing. Now, if you're really good, you can maybe get it within 10 or 15 yards. But ten or fifteen yards for a great player is not close enough. I need it. I need it within two, three yards no. of what yeah. I what I want to where I want to hit it. So, you know, now other than PGA Tour, obviously that's a different different. Well, setting. even LPGA, they they can't use it. But I think what they're doing is in all these practice rounds, they play two, three days oh, of practice rounds. Like, they hey, know, and they realize, oh shit, this is a much better angle. Hey, caddy, yeah. grab grab one or two yardages from over here, and this is just the- in case. This is the 142 plate for 16, but it's actually 172 to the 17th green. So write that down. So if we're over here, we can at least have that. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so yeah, they're, I, they're, they're smart. I mean, we've done that before. hundred percent. You know, if you see a, again, to what, you know, McLean, you said, and, and Mike, you, you mentioned too, if, if there's an advantage and no one's telling me I cannot do it, you know, you know how tight it is on the PJ Tour or the LPJ Tour. If I can gain a shot or half a shot or quarter of a shot on the field every day, I'm gonna do it 100 percent until somebody says tells me I can't. Yep. Um. So 
Yeah, I don't real, real, real fast story. You're talking about getting a getting a yardage is hard when you didn't have rangefinders back in the day. I remember one of my high school teammates hit it in an opposite fairway, not on purpose, on accident. And this is a guy who ended up going to Harvard, so he's pretty intelligent. He did the Pythagorean theorem on a scorecard: a squared plus b squared equals c squared to figure out how far he was. And did he hit a good shot? He hit a good shot. <laughs> I was like, "What are you doing?" And he he was like, "Well, I'm this far away from you know." But I, I don't know. He he fucking figured out the Pythagorean theorem on a scorecard to figure out right. his yardage, and he hit a good shot. Uh, well, now you know. again, he scored fifteen ninety on his SAT with a Harvard, and <laughs> so I'm I mean, I'm I'm mildly buzzed doing a podcast in my attic. So right. I mean, you know, sounds great. <laughs> sounds like a sounds like you won. <laughs> uh, one of these is not like the other. <laughs> <laughs> So, all right. Last topic. I know this has been a long podcast, but we have a lot to talk about. And I think we've had some great discussions tonight. And so uh wasn't on our agenda, but Corn Ferry Tour final was this week. And a lot of great names made it. A lot of great names didn't. You know, it's always cool to see these guys. And we, we've talked about it pretty much every week following Callum. I got to talk about Taylor Montgomery. Have you guys followed this story about Taylor Montgomery? I have not. So I want to hear, but I do. And I want you to tell, tell your story about Taylor, but I, I, I want to follow up with, with my, my contacts on the corn ferry and, and how pumped I am for these guys who, who have, have earned their PGA tour cards. So Taylor Montgomery this season was having a great year. He was 23rd or 24th. I may get these numbers a little bit wrong. He qualifies for the U S open gets in, makes the cut at the U S open, but because he played in the U S open, he missed a corn ferry tour event. He went from, I think it was 24th to 28th on the corn ferry point list because he missed an event. However, he just beat how many of the top players in the world and made the cut at the U S open. He ends up finishing 26th on the regular season point list. Mm. One spot off. He then goes into the tour the Corn Ferry Tour finals, these last three events, and finished 26th again. Misses by one spot twice and got zero points on the Corn Ferry Tour for making the cut in the U.S. Open. They have to change this rule. He's got to get some sort of points. The guy just played in the biggest event in the world and made the cut and lost points on his tour. That yeah, that that's that's. Tough. I'm sorry, you gotta change that. Some guys won't recover from stuff like that. Yeah, like Joe Daly. Remember that putt that popped yeah. out of the cup like right back in the center. Came back right out, never recovered. And so Justin Lauer, who is He's a, a buddy PH, of mine, PXJ troop, he finished 25th this weekend. Right with his finish, he played great on the weekend. He finished in the final spot in the finals to get his card. And when yeah. they were interviewing him after the round, he broke down basically almost in tears about Taylor Montgomery because he knew he nipped him by a spot. And because he got in, Montgomery was out by one. And like, he knew what happened in the regular season. So he was like, dude, keep at it. You're going to get it. It was like heartbreaking to watch. And I, I knew the story of Taylor Montgomery in the regular season that he missed this event and finished 26. I didn't realize he finished 26 on the finals of these three events yeah. too, and missed by one. So that's, I don't know. I just wanted to point that out. It, it, you know, the stories are endless. You know, I mean, you look at these guys, I mean, look at Joseph Bramlett, who is 
friend. He's a friend of the pod, like through mutual friends, John Scott Rattan. We've talked about is his instructor. And I mean, this guy's battled back injuries galore. Been on the PGA tour right out of Stanford. Uh, you know, lost his card through back injuries and then has come back, earned his PGA, PGA tour card. And then and back and forth between the web or corn Ferry now, and now has earned himself uh, a full exempt status on the PGA tour again. And now into the uh, player's championship by basically winning um, uh, the web, the, the uh, web, or I'm sorry, I keep saying the web, the corn Ferry finals, but this guy's battled, battled, battled. Um, and with some, with some great friends, great agents, great instruction. And now is in, is in a great spot. And it's just, you know, it's, it's really incredible to, to see these guys just persevere through all. And that's what, that's, what's cool about the golf. And we talked about this earlier with these, these stories like this is like, he's the guy that you want. Netflix needs to like follow, like, what, what have you been through? What are you doing? Why are you here? Like people will gravitate towards, they want to see the underdog succeed. Um, and then to the other end of the spectrum, uh, you know, Justin Lauer, like I've played, I don't know, McLean, you've played with Justin. I've played with him since he, since he first came on tour, he was a rookie playing mini tour golf. He had no clue what was going on. I love this guy's he's um, incredible. I mean, talk about struggle, lost his father and his brother to a car accident when he was a teenager, both of them, both of them died in a car accident. Um, and he, you know, found a way to continue to pursue this dream of playing professional golf, who he obviously shared this with his dad and his brother and still kept doing it over and over and over when everyone tell him, told him to stop, like, Hey, maybe this isn't for you. Like you, you, you've, you've done everything you could do. You, you've had a great career. Maybe it's time you get a real job, a real job. They say, um, I think he's got a real job now, you know? He's on the PGA yeah. tour and, uh, you know, he's, he's going to make a lot of money being just a, just a member of the PGA tour. He's going to make a lot of money. So it's just the stories. I mean, from one to 25, you know, and, and again, there's a lot of guys in the middle that we could touch on, but I know, and we know both of these guys. Um, and Joe is obviously an incredible guy. I've been on the PGA tour, incredible talent. Uh, one of the youngest players to ever play in the U S open. Uh, if not the youngest guy, or no, I'm sorry, not the U.S. Open, the USAM. I think he was the youngest kid, youngest kid to play in the USAM at like 15, 16, something. It was insane. Um, and then went to Stanford and, and broke a, a, quite a few of Tiger's records, not all of them, but he um, it did incredible things there. And Justin, the other end of the spectrum, you know, maybe not the most talented guy, not the guy that you've you've heard of, but the guy who persevered through all this adversity. Um, through 10 years on the mini tours and now, you know, three years on four years on, you know, the web and the corn ferry now, and now has earned his PJ tour card in the 25th spot. I mean, that's just, it's awesome. It's just, that's, that's the drama that needs to be told. You know, that's what people gravitate towards. Like, and that's what I hope they do with this, this Netflix special that they do. I want to hear more about these guys and, and getting, that's how they're going to build the brand. If the PJ tour is good at what they do and, and they allow it, that's how they're going to build the brand um, and, and let people realize who these guys are and what diversity that they overcome. It's not easy to get on the PJ tour. It's, it's, 
I mean, I hate to say this, but it's, and I've never, I've never had my PGA tour card, so I can't officially say this, but I would say it's a lot easier to maintain your card than it is to get your card. Um, and again, that's all speculation. Cause I never, I was never out there, but I will say if you, if you're a good player and you, and you work your tail off um, and you've managed to get out there and you're able to keep your, keep your shit together, uh, you've got a better chance to keep your car than it is to, to have that first shot. I mean, because there's so many players and we've talked about this over and over that are not on the PGA tour that are definitely good enough, qualified and, uh, and, and talented enough to be there's out a there. thousand Justin Lowers. Yeah, there's a thousand Justin Lowers, a thousand. Um, and that's not, that's not taken away from what. No, no, no. That's just showing how hard it is. That's just showing how hard it is. Um, so I don't know. I hope it, uh, I'm super happy for these guys, super proud. And it's really cool to see some good friends, you know, make it because it's just so damn hard. <laughs> Golf is so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. I think we need to use some of these contacts to get the emergency nine hosts like inside the ropes access to an event. Oh, we we can do that. That'd be fun. We could go to an event. That'd be awesome to do a pod on site. I'd love to do that. There you but go. We got, love it. We we've got between all four of us, we got plenty of friends out there that we could do it. I think everybody would love to do that. There's plenty of yeah. uh, golf tournaments down here in South Florida. How many of you guys have in Virginia? <laughs> we have zero. Hey, I'm so I'll disappointed. Come on down. Come I'll on make down. a road trip. My parents don't live too far from you. I can use the excuse right. of the wife and I go visit my family and just really yeah. get drunk with you guys on a golf course. Yeah, That's you can do that. Exactly. Play a little golf, go to the event, do a pod. Yeah, yeah it'll be nice down here. It'll be cold up there at that time of year anyway. Exactly. But anyways, it was uh, just a fun weekend of golf. And I don't know what we're going to do. The, the season's over. We have to wait one week for the next season to start, which is just mind-boggling. So we don't have any picks to make this week. Save me $10. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, go buy yourself some more Kirkland seltzer. Um <laughs> But yeah, we have a one week break and the season starts next week. No event this week. Season starts next week. So just kind of uh kind of weird. I'm not sure if I like this whole wraparound thing, but um it is cool that all these guys that we're talking about from the Corn Ferry Tour get to start right away. And right away. especially because of these fall series events, you don't get a lot of the big names. It's a good opportunity for them to you know, get their feet wet, get playing, have the have the ability to get into these events that they don't have the full status and might be a little bit down the priority ranking. And so for Mr. Callum Tarum and and Joe Brantlett yeah. and Lauer and, and all these guys that we've talked about, hopefully over the next couple of months in these fall series, they, they can get out there and get some FedEx Cup points and make some cuts and earn some some sweet cash. And um and we'll be talking about them and probably gonna pick Callum in the first DraftKings that we do just because. Um probably going to be cheap and he's going to ball out. He's at home changing diapers. So he's going to love not changing diapers for a week. And <laughs> so, but that's it. So again, long episode. We hopefully you, uh, you hung around and listened to it, but we, we like talking G. So we did that tonight and remember people at home. Don't be a cat, be a dog. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks guys. That. Have a good night. Uh, Take care, guys. Thanks. Later.